0: Welcome back, mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club. Brought to you today by Snake River Stampede Whiskey, but we'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the show. We are the quarter finalist, Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Dallas Hammer, joined by Martin and Brian. We're gonna go to Martin. Houston first. Martin, how you doing in Moscow?
1: It's good. It's I just wanted to be Saturday again, so I can experience all those warm, fuzzy feelings all over again.
0: Spoiler alert, guys, we are talking about Idaho's upcoming game in the Kibbe Dome this weekend, Saturday, 7 p.m. Brian Marceau,
2: how excited are you? Well, I'm still, honestly, I feel still feel like I'm recovering from the uh, late Saturday night drive back, uh, not landing in until pretty, till pretty dang late. Uh, voices almost re- voices recovered just enough to completely annihilate it this Saturday. Already got my ticket. Just like I know you've already got your ticket, guys. Uh, Fill the dome. Let's 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 just get to talking, man. Quarterfinals.
0: Yeah, again, guys. Tickets on sale right now. Let's try to pack that dome. Let's be loud as hell this weekend as the Albany Great Danes are coming into town. So, Brian, we're going to talk about it. It's number four versus number five. Idaho hosting you, Albany. Tell me what you know about their head coach, Greg Gattuso.
2: So Greg Gattuso has been, he's been around for a while. Uh, This isn't like Nick Hill uh, for Southern Illinois, where uh, Hill had only been even college coaching two years before he, he landed the head coaching gig. Gattuso's in his 21st season as a head coach. The guy is 62 years old. And uh, let's just say he uh, he's been pretty solid, essentially where essentially his entire career. So, His first head coaching gig is back in comes in 1994. He's head coach at Duquesne for 11 seasons goes 97 and 32 in that span, including 66 and seven in conference play takes about a decade long hiatus between finishing at Duquesne and then landing at Albany in that time between going to Albany. He's been, he's mostly an assistant coach at, we're now both power five schools from 2005, to 2010 under head coach, Dave Wanstead uh, at university of Pittsburgh. Gattuso starts as the tight end and cr- recruiting coordinator moves to D line coach stays D line coach, but then becomes s- assistant head coach in 2011. That's after Wan- pretty sure Wanstead got fired uh, from Pitt in, in 2010. That's why they shifted. Uh, but in 2011 goes over to Maryland uh, under head coach, Randy Ensel and Maryland, he's D line coach again, but and eventually promoted to D line and assistant head coach. That's until 2013. Then he lands at Albany. Now the overall uh, record at Albany is not—it's uh, not spectacular in the 10 seasons. It's he's 48 and 60 overall, uh, but that includes the team had a pretty. Pretty big rebuild, honestly. Just recently, Uh, the Danes made the playoffs in 2019, uh, went nine and five overall that year, lost in the second round. But, um, the post-COVID time until this year had not been kind to Albany Uh, for the that you know, two, three years, two, two years and change, depending on how you want to call it with that spring season mixed in. Albany goes six and 20, but hey, they're the five seed, so clearly. Uh, clearly this team's recovered and you guys have probably already put together if a ton of his of Gattuso's time as an assistant coach was on the D line, uh, that is obviously a point of emphasis for Gattuso's teams. And that's kind of where, to me, the analysis of Albany, it begins and ends with what this team has been able to do on the defensive line.
0: Yeah, Brian, you, I mean, you, let's just, let's just jump right into it. You hit the nail on the head. This team is powered by their defensive line. All four, They run a four-man front. Uh, this is this is the best defensive line that Idaho's going to see all season, uh, and I don't think it's particularly close. You look at the edge rushers, A.J. Simon on one end and Anton Junkaj as, as the other. Those two guys are legitimately two of the best FCS talents I've ever seen. Ryan Phillips in the comment section, he would know Albany edge rushers are beast. Uh, they're both first-team all-CAA this year. Codge uh, has, uh, or Junkodge, excuse me, has 53 tackles, 20 and a half tackles for loss, 14 sacks, 10 quarterback hurries, and four forced fumbles. While Simon on the other end has 50 tackles, 21 tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks, 17 quarterback hurries, two fumbles forced, and two fumble recoveries. Uh, both of those guys are top five in the nation in sacks, Brian. that's That's where it comes from. And then you get into the defensive tackles. They also have, again, the ability to pressure the quarterback. Uh, one of their starters, Joseph Graney, has four sacks. Uh, they have a rotational guy that has, he only has a one and a half sacks, but he's got seven and a half tackles for loss. Uh, Another rotational end, four and a half sacks. Like, that is what this team does. Defensive line is their strength. They are going to get to the quarterback, and that's, I mean, that's how they win football games is by getting quarterbacks on their asses.
2: Yeah, they're the, the number eight overall defense in the nation. And uh, uh, so Dylan Kelly. The the Mike linebacker for Albany, he's a Buck Buchanan Award finalist. He's in the he's in the final three, and between you know you you referenced the first team All CAA uh, ta- talent in the front seven for Albany. You know the stat that I heard on, from FCS Fans Nation was the, their main show was that between the combination of Junkaj Simon and Dylan Kelly, those three. Combine for 98 tackles for loss on the season um i'm going to push back slightly in that i, I when i watch the tape and i think this is this is where a little bit of our analysis of idaho and and albany is going to differ for maybe some viewers because this look the stats are overwhelming and the stats are not indicative of nothing of course but yeah. we Brian, have, there's very also tape
0: you mentioned Dylan Kelly. I want to say Dylan Kelly second in the nation in tackles with
2: 148.
0: So look, these are, even if they're empty stats, these are some incredibly impressive
2: stats. Yeah. Sorry. yeah, And I wasn't going to call them empty. I was just going to say like, we're going to, we'll end up talk, talking about what we've seen on tape, which there is a little bit limited. Thank you, flow sports. Uh, Cause so there's not a ton of available tape, but uh I, I'm not going to say this team looks as physically imposing as Montana did, but um look, you only play the teams that you get to play. And, what the the reason albany is a five seed out of the caa you know the third best conference in the fcs and the reason this team is still alive is what what you've been hitting at they're able to get pressure on the quarterback uh, now they're they they don't mercifully for idaho i think uh this team doesn't run the same type of stunts the same type of misdirection that montana runs or that i think siu was able to 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 use against idaho to some extent this team is a little the way their d-line works is a little bit closer to montana state Of uh, it's a little bit more straightforward but they don't care albany believes they have the speed and strength to not need as much misdirection they just have guys who no one's going to be able to stop and albany has a single fcs loss on the season for the most part that gamble has clearly worked
0: yeah brian just Keeping on the defense, so you've already mentioned the three three of the guys that are first-team all-CAA. They also have two guys in the secondary that were first-team all-CAA. Uh, their cornerback, Amir Hall, and then their safety, Larry Walker Jr. Uh, they also have a bunch of talents sprinkled across the second and third teams that we'll get into. But uh, that's kind of, what again, what the bread and butter is here is the defensive line is trying to get to the quarterback at all times. Again, you mentioned Dylan Kelly, not not as t- as many sacks because he is the middle linebacker, just filling gaps and making, again, almost 150 tackles this year. Uh, other, one of their other starting run, uh, linebackers, Ori Gene Charles, has 12 tackles for loss, five sacks. Nate Mink in the comment section says, those tackles for loss are concentrated among a few games, but when they're on, they're devastating. That's exactly the kind of thing that you have to hope that you're, you're not going to see from Idaho is... It, you gotta you gotta protect McCoy well enough. Ryan Phillips again. McCoy can't hold the ball for four seconds this week unless he gets outside the edge rushers rolling out or boots. Those that's what you gotta do here because again you get into that secondary where they have first team all conference guys. Larry Walker Jr. Uh, not incredibly popping statistically, uh, just one interception and three pass breakups. But their top corner Amir Hall five interceptions, 13 pass breakups. He's second in the nation with 18 passes defended. Like this is, this is a team, Brian, that is, is they're going to score more than SIU for sure, but their defense is still not, not a slouch. I don't know if I would go as far as saying they're as good as the SIU defense, because again, the level of competition that Albany has seen is not going to be the same level of competition that Idaho has seen on a weekend week out basis, or again, any of those teams in the MVFC, but this is this is a team, Brian, that is going to be led by their defense again. Like you said, the defensive line is the big key here. But this is a team you get into the PFF stats uh, you know, again. We talked about this a little bit last week. It's not the end all, be all. But when you look at the teams that were left in the final sixteen, Albany's a top five team of the teams that were remaining. So unfortunately, the I don't pay for PFF, and nobody's published the stats publicly yet for any updates from last week, but. You get into it, and Albany has a defense that is honestly rated a, a, along the same as SDSU. Uh, they're top five in coverage of the the sixteen teams that made the the second round, top five in pass rush, best run defense in the country, uh, fourth actually statistically, but first of the, of all the teams that are left. Like this is a team, Brian, that defensively they are going to get at you. They're going to try to make some picks, and that's how they win. That's how they win games. Is their defense is stifling, at least in the CAA.
2: Yeah. I, so one of the things that I find interesting about the PFS stats you brought up is Albany's coverage rating of, thir- of 13 in the nation, because um, if you if were looking at overall stats on the season, th- there's a, there's essentially an ocean between what Albany's been able to do against the run, getting to the quarterback, and then in the pass game. like they, They've been able to force turnovers – uh, you talked you talked about Amir Hall having the five picks their other their other cornerback has has two picks as well so this team has been able to force turnovers but ov- overall past defense um Albany ranks number 78 in in the nation in yards allowed on the season of 200 just under 221. now some of that is Albany did blow some teams out. So there is a chance that they got a disproportionate amount of plays called. But still, if there's a if there's a vulnerability of, of the Albany defense, it's clearly the secondary. Hey, Patty Frakes in the comments section, I finally got Patty's name right after researching it by asking him, uh, says it only took us four years, Patty. They, meaning Albany, give up more yards through the air than Cal Poly. So th- that's the context. Now, there, there's, of course, a little bit. Pro football focuses a little bit more focused on what they look at, but broadly, but I, I think it's a fair takeaway to say it. Albany for sure has talent in the secondary, but this, that talent, the sum of that talent is not equal to the total output of that unit, which again, 78 is about middle of the FCS overall, which is a surprisingly low ranking for a number five seed for a team that's moved this deep into the playoffs for a team that. Identity wise, I believe Albany probably considers themselves a defense first team, but uh, they're going to put up some points for for sure. Dallas, I mean, there's one of the connections of there's a couple connections for Albany and Idaho that that some of them don't necessarily matter. Like the fact that Idaho is going to play Albany early next season, not important, just kind of, you know, kind of weird to think about that we're going to see Albany in the dome twice.
0: And for anybody that's curious, this is a senior laden team. You're not going to see this exact team again next year. Going to look a whole, yeah. whole lot different.
2: Yes. Um, never mind transfers. But they're they're led offensively by quarterback Reese po- Poffenbarger. He's a sophomore. He was the 2022 Jerry Rice Award runner-up. That that's another Idaho connection. The first team, so the winner of the Jerry Rice Award, of course, was Giovanni McCoy, and Poffenbarger has a, a rel- in in terms of style, a similar game to Giovanni McCoy in. He he's absolutely has some arm talent. He has you know some second team receivers that he that Poffin Barger targets specifically of uh, Brevin Easton and Julian Hicks. Uh, but on the season, Poffin Barger thirty three touchdowns, ten interceptions, but uh, a fifth, just below fifty eight percent completion percentage. A kind of surprising number, but the the butt I'm throwing in here is Albany certainly lets Poffin Barger take some deep strikes down the field uh in a way that not every team does. Um I, I don't like to jump in with stereotypes of of quarterbacks as far as play, but I think calling Poffin Barger a gunslinger is is pretty fair. Uh Barger is also athletic, moving laterally. Uh he is certainly a weapon to get outside the pocket, extend plays and pick apart defenses that way, Dallas. But um Calvin is, of course, not the only weapon on Albany that's you know, the team averages right around 30 points a game. So obviously they're doing a couple things well.
0: Yeah. Before I, I get into that, Brian, I'm gonna hit a handful of different uh comments in the comment section. Brian Kennison saying, How much does traveling and playing a late game really affect a visiting team? Kickoff will be at 7 p.m. Pacific, which is effectively 10 p.m. on the
2: East Coast. Uh, how about we hit that in keys to the game? Because I think that that's more that more speaks to variability of the game, which I think we can get to perfect. Like, hey, Brian, good points. We'll hit it later.
0: Uh, Michael Marceau, um, any relation? Uh, um, Michael, uh, jumping in, you know, uh, you've probably already covered it, but is lineman 75 injury info out? That would be uh, Aiden Kanapik. Uh, again, this is not a this is Idaho Talk Guys, but he is listed first on the depth chart. Uh, MRI was negative, as Braden Lang says in the comment section, so. We'll get into that again Which, with, with Idaho talk, but
2: in, yeah. In the press conference, Eck made it sound like there's reason to believe he should go. Certainly yep. didn't rule him out in the press conference. And then uh last question I wanted to hit Jason Mayer question of the week.
0: Will we see the double reverse and or Hatton pass? Probably because it seems to be pretty consistent. Um, speaking of pretty consistent, Brian Reese Poffenberger, excuse me, Barger. uh, 3, the 3,000 touchdowns, 33 yards, 10 interceptions. Patty in the comment section saying, going out on a limb, he's the best quarterback Idaho's going to see this year. I would fully agree with that. Uh, the guy's got a, a rocket arm. Uh, however, doesn't complete a ton of passes. He's completing under 58% of his passes on the year. So again, uh, where it's because they, they, do, they do a really good job of taking that deep shot and then moving back to the quick game, taking that quick shot to keep defenses honest. But the reason that works Is because they have two receivers, Brevin Easton, Julian Hicks. They're both seniors. They lead the team in catches, yards, touchdowns. Uh, Really, uh, it's honestly, it's it's very similar to the Hatton Jackson phenomenon of last year. Those two guys had pretty much every stat from Idaho, and then you know they had a little bit of production from some other guys. And Jordan Dwyer looked good at, at times, and you know you had good guys that looked good, but you had the two guys that were just the studs. These guys are the studs. Easton is. Uh, 44 receptions, 827 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Hicks, 41 catches, 709 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That's where, again, the bulk of their passing game goes. And then if they don't pass it, they do have the rookie of the year in the CAA, Griffin Woodell, 790 yards, 7 touchdowns, 5 yards a carry at the running back position. Uh, Interestingly enough, a former walk-on uh that was not the starter going into the year and then somehow just kind of exploded onto the year. So good for that kid. But this is a this is a team, Brian, that offensively maybe isn't uh, quite at the level of Idaho, I would say, or what we know Idaho can do when Idaho is is at full cylinders. Uh but this is definitely a team that that can score. As Patty Frakes is saying in the comments, he's the best passer for sure, but the kid does like turning the ball over. Again, he does have 10 receptions this year. So if you're Idaho, that's probably what you're looking at. Is hey, he's going to beat you a couple times,
2: but hopefully you beat him a couple times. Yeah, look, you you hit something. We'll probably talk about keys to the game, um, Idaho. Idaho offensively, minus the Idaho State game, which I, I don't think that's worth really referencing as far as overall overall season stats. And we're, we're talking about a you know a quarterfinal number five seed. Idaho has not broken thirty points a game since October seventh against Cal Poly. Um, outside of Idaho State, so um, these two teams, I'd say probably they they are pretty close offensively with what they've been able to do uh, relatively recently. I mean, uh, last last week, Albany had Albany had very little difficulty dispatching Richmond, which that's the point I want to hit on. Which is before we we get to the Idaho point, if you just look at this matchup on paper, this is a very uh, very unfavorable matchup for Idaho. But the the asterisk I want to throw is all the stats we, that we would talk about comparatively with Idaho took place in the strong the strongest or essentially tied for strongest conference in the nation. That is not the schedule that um, that Albany has. Look Albany has th- three losses on the season, only one FCS loss, that one FCS loss came to New Hampshire on the year the the Coastal Athletic Association, formerly Colonial Athletic Association, gave Albany and I say gave because that was the majority of their schedule. Albany's strength of schedule rate ranks as number 38 in the nation. Idaho's right now rates as number as number 10. So on the year, Idaho, Idaho's been tested quite a bit more than Albany overall, or at least week week in and week out. And you see that reflected both in like the overall Massey ratings, which, hey, that, that's a, one of the analytic ratings that's sometimes helpful to contextualize teams who are not in the same conference. Massey as Idaho as the number six team, Albany as the as the number 11 team. You look at Sagarin and ratings on the year. Idaho sits at number 88 right now. Albany, uh, they're the number two rated CAA team and Albany's right now 113 in, in the nation, which would put them... A little bit above Sacramento State, obviously significantly below Idaho. As another reference point, Delaware is the number three Sagarin team in in the CAA. Delaware just got absolutely murdered by Montana in Missoula, the number seventy team, which is all to say, it's hard to know which of these stats matters for Idaho. It's hard to know how much these CAA stats would translate to the big sky, which is why you guys are probably picking up tonally that in spite of on paper, Albany is an objectively talking about paper stats accrued through season, an objectively worse matchup for Idaho. And it's not surprising that um, one of the lines, one of the Vegas lines early had, had Albany favored by five, four or five points. I I got to say, man, watching this team, that there's matchups Albany has that are favorable, most of which relate to their D-line on Idaho's O-line. But I got to say the physicality of Albany does not scare me the way I was was pretty anxious about Southern Illinois. And then it turned out we were right to be anxious about Southern Illinois with Idaho barely scraping through. I I just got to say the fact of the overall athleticism Albany has and the fact that they don't run 3-3-5, the type of blitzing that Idaho is going to have to deal with is a little bit more predictable. That makes me feel like this is a matchup that has more in Idaho's favor than if you just blindly look at, if you just look at stats compared to what, for, from Idaho to Albany, the the, the the actual matchup I think is more favorable than the stats would say. Again, not
0: not to harp too much on the Sagarin stuff because again, this is like this is why they play the games, guys. Like this is all just ways of trying to interpolate data that is not able to be you. You, just, you can't really do that because obviously you have to play the game. You like this is all just talking head stuff. But Brian, how many teams do you think have a lower Sagarin rating than Idaho State that Albany played? Without looking at it too much. How many teams I, on their schedule? I have had a been worse way Sagan. too busy
2: to look that up.
0: So uh five. Three, but still, we're talking three teams that are rated worse than Idaho State. They beat Stony Brook 38 to 20. Stony Brook went 0-10 this year, and in the Sagarin ratings is the 242nd team in the in the nation. That was on the road. But again, this is what we're getting into is Albany has not done done a done a great job on the road. They have to travel all the way across the country. They're going to go into a dome that they have never re- really been into. They don't really play in a lot of domes. Hopefully it's going to be loud. Hopefully it's going to be nuts. And this is this is where you know the the fan aspect of being the number four seed instead of the number five seed really works. If I was a vandal and we were traveling to Albany, I'd feel a little bit worse about this game. But really, Brian, the more we talk about this and the more, the more research we've done. I am feeling a little bit better about this game going into it than I did last week against SIU. It just doesn't feel to me like a team that's going to be quite as ready for Idaho. Obviously, they're the number 5 team in the country for a reason. Like these are all good teams that are left. Brian, Albany's the only team that Sagarin doesn't have in the double digits. Sagarin has Albany in the triple digits of all the teams left in the FCS. They're the only ones that aren't at Idaho's level or higher. And again, this is all computer numbers, and and it doesn't matter at all until the game is actually played. But trying to contextualize it, this this isn't a team that has been battle tested the way Idaho has. I mean, they have not
2: played. Idaho is going to be the best team that that they have played all season. No, the, the Richmond team that Albany just beat just killed in Sagarin, they're one hundred sixty nine, which would be the same as Idaho beating top five Portland State yep. in a, in a blowout, which you should expect, but. Look, Dallas. Every, everyone listening, I apologize for cutting you off. Everyone listening can tell that we we think there's some there's Idaho has some favor, favorable matchups. We need. We'll get to those keys to the game for Idaho in a second. Before we do, I got to tell you the the key to your pregame. It's Snake River Stampede Canadian whiskey, guys. The, the best whiskey we're ever going to talk about tubs, on Tubs at the Club. So you got two options with Snake River. You can't go wrong with either. You have their entry-level Snake River Stampede, $25.95 a fifth, $45.95 a handle, the only size that I buy. Then you have their their uh, small batch 1915 edition. That's aged an additional two years. Both whiskeys are 80% corn, 10% malted barley, 10% rye. They both have unique double-barrel finishing with the Stampede, you have yeah, Firstville bourbon, then Olorosa sherry casks. The 1915 is first Firstville bourbon, and then ex-Canadian rye whiskey cask. No matter which option you go for, you can't go wrong. So uh, next time you're Idaho State Liquor Store, reach up, because you won't be reaching down for this, and grab a bottle of Snake River.
0: For those who are wondering... There we go. My computer go. completely froze. I'm like, it's not unmuting me. Patreon.com backslash Tubs of the Club. Help us buy new computers. Uh, Brian, the one last thing I wanted to hit. Again, we're harping on the Sagarin stuff just because it's it's additional context for a team that's on the other side of the country that has games that are hard to, hard to view. As Patty Frake says... You can get the Morgan State game on, I think, ESPN and YouTube. Uh, the Richmond game is on ESPN. The Hawaii game is on YouTube. Like it, It's a very hard-to-find video because it's all locked behind Flow Sports. Brian, all of Albany's losses, which include two FBS schools, are the teams that were lower than Idaho in the Sagarin rating by the end of the year, and not, not by particularly close margins either. Idaho is number 88, Marshall's 104, so fairly close. Hawaii is one hundred and thirty fourth. Now, obviously, you've got that travel. You got to talk about if we're talking about going to the Kibby Dome being tough. Going from New York all the way to Hawaii, it's not great. But this is this is feeling really good, Brian. So let's turn this to, to Idaho. Keys to the game: what number? What's the number one thing you think Idaho has to do to be able to win this game and go take on? most likely South Dakota state, but maybe host Villanova who knows that's why they play the games.
2: What's the number one thing Idaho has got to do. Idaho has to be able to, to control the the edges uh, with the uh, Idaho's offensive line has to be able to control the edges enough to give Giovanni McCoy time to exploit the, the weaker secondary of Albany. Now I, we know Jason Eck likes to have his teams run. So the other thing I want to bring up is with the strength, of this de- defense being the edges, you have to expect that Eck is going to want to attack the middle, honestly, like he did against Southern Illinois, just to not that much success. But the reason I'm hitting the passing game, even though I know Eck is going to want to run more than he passes is. I feel like Idaho is look, Idaho played their worst offensive game of the season against Southern Illinois. They had some timely plays, but there was a lot for Idaho offensively that did not go right against Southern Illinois. It's a credit to the Vandals. It's a credit to special teams and defense and the talent this team has that Idaho still was able to pull out a win with so many things going wrong but Idaho is going to have to score some points this game. There's they're not going to be able to get seven points generated by the offense. They're not going to be able to, you know, be like Northern Colorado where 20 points or so are generated by the offense and still expect that they can pull away with a win. So to me, Idaho being able to exploit the secondary of, of Albany, not just with deep strikes with quicker, quicker developing pass plays hitting the intermediate game, much more so in in the way that Idaho did against Idaho State. Now, hey, that was Jack Lane, but Idaho seemed a little bit – it really didn't seem like they were trying to hit the intermediate pass game against Southern Illinois until very late. I think that is what Idaho needs to exploit, and that is how you're not going to need to have – an apex game from an O-line that is going to get beat some by the by these edge rushers. These guys are good. Like you said, Dallas, these are guys who you wouldn't be shocked if they wind up as pros. Like Ryan Phillips said earlier in the show, McCoy can't hold on to the ball for four seconds, trying to get these plays to develop. Or if he's holding on to the ball for four seconds, it's because he's rolling out to his right and he has escaped the pocket and is now buying time. That is absolutely not something McCoy was able to do against Southern Illinois. And these guys are going to get to him. So no. to me, it's can Idaho buy McCoy enough time to stretch the field to hit intermediate pass plays that might eventually open up long shots? That's the key to Idaho breaking that 30-point threshold that, again, with McCoy starting, Idaho has not done that since October 7th.
0: Yeah, Brian, I think you hit that pretty, pretty spot on. I want to call out the comment section. Jason Mayer, keys to the game. Win the turnover battle. Control time of possession. Execute on special teams end but don't break on defense then ryan phillips saying hey good ones i'd also throw in tackling because that's been cringe at times absolutely has it's not again we talked about this on the reaction show um i don't mean this is disrespect to marcus harris because again he's gonna be one of my favorite vandals of all time it's not a good sign if marcus harris is your best tackler when your cornerbacks are your best tacklers it's probably not a great sign for how things are going on the rest of the team uh mike colton jumping in to say game plan on offense quit messing around and get the ball to number 80 that Right, I, I do think that this is the this is the game. If you're going to have a Hayden Hatton game, this is the time to do it. I know that we talked about Amir Hall being second in the nation in passes defense. We're also talking about Hayden Hatton, the best receiver in the FCS. And honestly, if he played in the FBS, he'd be one of the best receivers in the FBS as well at this point. That to me is the big one. You got to get the passing game moving because again, Albany holding teams to 76 yards a game on the ground. Like this is again, it's against CAA, so who knows. Anthony Woods, or as I like to call him, Tony Trees. Tony Trees might absolutely just destroy this team. Could totally happen. Uh, Somebody coming in from the Tubs of the Club account, Romano on swing passes could be zesty. Uh, Patty Frake saying getting the running backs involved in the past game as checkdowns is going to be huge. That's a big one. I want to see some checkdowns. I want to see those intermediate routes. It seems like Idaho does too much of either it's a, a simple quick screen pass or Vonnie's holding the ball looking to throw it 40 yards down the field. That's not the recipe to win this game. Uh Patty Freaks also saying tempo is something that Albany has struggled with. I would love to see that. That's what Idaho started doing to get moving a little bit more against SIU. Eck and Slice committed to the run and draw and just trying to draw the clock. Realized that wasn't working. Went went no hurry or went no huddle hurry up. And all of a sudden started moving the ball a little bit better. That's what I'm hoping to see. Keep the ball moving. I know that time of possession is X thing, and it's again, like you've said, Brian, it's it's his little version of Bobby Hauk. Like I'm smarter than you. This is how we're going to do this. This is our football, and I get that. But there are times you're going to have to to break your tendencies. This is a tendency breaking game. You gotta get the ball to Hayden Hatton. You gotta get those seven yard, ten yard routes. You gotta be hitting that consistently to keep Albany from the 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 last thing you want to do is either fail to move the ball on the ground or or and or not be able to hit those intermediate routes so that all they're doing is pinning their ears back and sending the pass rush at rush, rush at you. If that happens, Idaho will lose this game. If those two pass rushers on the ends are going
2: free shots at McCoy, this game will be over before it starts. Yeah. I want to use Montana state as a comparison for this game where we're, we're talking right now. Hey, like past the rush questions. So when Idaho beat Montana state and I'm bringing up Montana state, because just the style stylistically Alabama, what uh, good God Albany, what they're trying to do is closer to what Montana state tries to do than like what Montana or SAU tried to do. Anthony Woods will rush 20 times for 64 yards against Montana state. Albany on the year is the best rushing defense in the nation. They give up 2.46 yards per rush. I think this is a game. Though Loek wants to run first. I really think that intermediate pass is going is the best bet to set up the run later later in the game. Now you reference tempo, and I I think what Eck does here. See, I, I'm I'm kind of interested too because we've seen the jury's in when Idaho goes tempo, they're pretty good. Because the Vandals have a ton of weapons, and I think it buy it buys our our, our weaker Idaho has a weaker offensive line um, than any team left in the playoffs. That's an obvious relative weakness. It's obviously youth as part of it, health is part of it too. But there's no way around it. Every single team who plays Idaho thinks we got to get to the quarterback and we're going to get to the quarterback going tempo. I think buys the Vandals that extra half step because defensively, the team doesn't get a set up exactly what they want to, but make no mistake. Albany is going to be tough on the ground. The what the stats they accrued this season. That's not bullshit. And we already talked about Buck Buchanan a w- nominee, Middle linebacker plus two of the best edge rushers we're going to see. I don't think Idaho is going to be able to abuse Albany up the middle the way you know this team wants to. So that's why we're hitting the pass so much. And that to me, this is going to be an interesting gamble for Eck because this, this is something the jury's in on. Eck seems to view going tempo as kind of a last resort. And I I but I also think. Eck and coaching staff look. They're smart. They look at tape. They, they know Idaho is not scoring as well as they have early in the year compared to now. And you have to look at those sc- the look, look at the first story, scoring drives or the first drives. Idaho what the first five games or so score score a touchdown on their opening possession, and Idaho hasn't done that for. Minus what, well, like minus Idaho state hasn't done that for a little bit. In fact, I mean, it's had a, half, a good amount of three and out first possession, which obviously is not getting on your heels immediately is not what this team wants to do. So I, I think it is interesting to see is that going to be aggressive? Cause we know for a fact he is, but the one area he tends to not want to be aggressive is with the tempo because of how the, the complementary nature of Idaho football is milk the clock. Let the young defense stay fresh. And then if the young defense while fresh can just can get three and outs, that's how teams dig holes. But Idaho hasn't been able to get teams dug into holes really again, minus Idaho state where it didn't count really since Montana state. And this is the type of team that it would be great to, to get that trend turned around to get that ticket to a semifinal matchup, probably against South Dakota punched and to look at referenced in, in his, um, his interview with Johnny ball game. This is kind of like a legacy uh, defining game for the Vandals as in a win here would be tying the best season in Vandal history. I like that. We have a gambler on the sidelines. I hope he's willing to gamble with the tempo.
0: Brian, I, I really hope for that because one thing that has been the problem for Idaho this whole season. And if Idaho loses this game, this will most likely come into play. The turnover battle. Idaho does not typically win the turnover battle. It's just not something that's been going on this year. Hopefully, again, Poffenbarger throws a couple picks. Marcus Harris takes one back to the house. That would be great to see. But again, this is Idaho going up a def- against the defense slash team that is number eleven in the country in turnover margin. Like this is this is a team that on paper that is terrifying. What they do is take the ball away from you so that they win the game. And Idaho, unfortunately, this year has been much more apt to giving it away than they have been to taking it away. So that, to me, tempo is your fix to a lot of your problems. Yeah, you're, I mean, the, the turnovers thing is just, it is what it is. But the tempo thing is how you keep your offense hopefully moving because, again, how do they start getting turnovers? The pass rush pins their ears back. Like this is this is definitely lining up as a Idaho could absolutely go in and try to play Idaho football. And maybe it works really well. Maybe it doesn't work well, and it plays right into Albany's strengths. But uh, as as Patty Frake saying, Albany leans on the pass game a lot. Uh, shout out, by the way, to Patty. Uh again, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. Patty wrote up a two and a half page essay for the folks in the discord about all of the Albany film he watched he went and bought a subscription to flow football watched a ton of games and put out a, a really fantastic write-up that honestly I mean no shot to the Argonaut but it it puts the level of analysis you'd get in the, in the Argonaut to shame Patty you should be running stuff over there I, I don't I know I know that media is not necessarily what you're going to school for but you put out a great write-up, guys. It's $250 a month to join our Discord. And even if you just want to take a look at, at Patty's
2: write-up here, uh it's, but it's honestly we phenomenal stuff. Are always okay to get more than
0: $250. That is very true. The options definitely exist for more. But Brian, this this to me feels I obviously we're talking about what Idaho needs to do to win, but something I don't think we've we've touched on enough is like Brian Kennison mentioned, they have to travel across the country. Not only do they have to travel across the country, they're playing what to their bodies is a 10 p.m. kickoff. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not necessarily in a football-playing mood at 10 p.m. at night. Um, I don't know if I'm ever in a football-playing mood. Look at me. But uh, they have been shaky on the road. They haven't played a lot in a dome. The Kibbe Dome has fall, has forced some false starts, uh, honestly, quite consistently, it seems like. Uh, the, the environment in the dome has been really great this year. And if it's a loud crowd this weekend, Brian, they do have a true freshman at center. Uh, their offensive line is is pretty consistent, uh, but their starting center, who was a senior, went down in week four. They've been starting a freshman ever since. This would be the time to force a couple different false starts and really just break up the rhythm of that Albany offense. And that's, to me, that is a huge sticking point in this game, the fact that it is at home in the Kibbe Dome. I think that could end up being the difference.
2: Well, and we'll get to the 10 p.m. thing in a second because that, that was something asked earlier in the show. 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern time is when the game kicks off. But I, I want to bring up two points, um, not to contradict what you brought up, but to just to t- t- try to take more recency into account. So Idaho for on the year, underwater turnover wise. But the last two weeks, Idaho has turned it around. One of them, I, I keep saying Idaho State because it's not my fault, guys. It was last game of the season. Vandals forced four turnover against Idaho State, but continued that trend against Al- Albany. Uh, Trey Thomas forced a fumble; Idaho recovered. You mean SIU, obviously, for those listening. Forgive me. Trey Thomas forced uh, an SIU fumble last week, which Idaho recovered, and Marcus Harris had the what was nearly the game-winning pick at the at the uh, in the first in the overtime when when Southern Utah. Sorry, so Illinois. I am struggling, guys. Third down through pick. But so that's the last two weeks. That's six turnovers forced. Essentially more turnovers than Idaho had forced in the entire Big Sky season. So there is an upward. There's a there's positive momentum in Idaho capitalizing on turnovers that this, this whole season, Idaho has had opportunities. They just have not been. The picks that like Paul Mawala would catch in 2022, Idaho just hasn't been coming down with those. But in the last two weeks, they have. So, key to a game, Idaho Idaho needs to continue with that trend. But the the other thing I want to bring up is Albany has been, like you referenced, not that great on the road overall. And look, the 10 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff is absolutely going to matter because look, you on the one end, Greg Gattuso is a he's a smart coach. He's going to do what he's always he obviously knows a thing or two about winning games. He's Turned around Albany and was great at Duquesne as well. 10 p.m. Look, the the this team hasn't has an, has 2 options. They can either quote unquote sleep train for a few days, or they can just try to get their guys natural rest and say, "Hey, dude, Saturday is going to suck. Deal with it." If you want to make it to the semis, if Albany's smart, they're going to do option two because if they give themselves gar- I hope Albany makes the mistake of giving themselves garbage sleep for a handful of days to try to uh, try to get back back on the. Uh, Pacific time zone, right track. But I, I do think the 10 PM kickoff is going to matter to some degree because if look, Albany doesn't rotate that many guys on defense, not close to the way Idaho has Idaho's uh, Idaho has one guy defensively who's taken 600 snaps this year. Albany has a, has, th- has a handful of guys who've taken 800 snaps this year. So fatigue, absolutely based off a of late kickoff could matter. And Look, the the crowd at the dome on l- last week was a very energetic, 100% bought-in crowd. But like the Montana game, Idaho just didn't give the crowd anything to get really engaged over until until you know five minutes left in the third quarter when Jermaine Jackson housed the the punt return. So if Idaho can start out can start out strong, the Vandals aren't the noise that Montana and Washington Grizzly are, but there it's not nothing. It's something that Albany has will not have seen essentially the entire year. And it's something that you can tell Idaho does feed off the energy when they can summon the plays that gives a crowd a reason to explode. We don't know what the overall uh, ticket totals are going to be because the tickets just went on sale today, but the current map available on the Vandals website is it's looking very similar to last week, which is to say student tickets have already been paid for by alums. The, the, um asui's goal for this game was already hit as far as uh, money raised so hey alums pat yourself on the back uh, for making sure students can go the game if they want to but second the the middle section of the alum side is already sold out and it's mostly on the perimeter that there's some seats left so that was essentially what the last game looked like which was a very dense middle with some empty spots on the edges but that equated to an engaged crowd that did help for Force some false starts and was ready to explode essentially the entire game. So I think this matters a ton that Idaho has the home home field advantage being the number four seed and having that strength of schedule mattered. Picking up that Lamar game early in the out of conference and that win mattered. And that's why you do things like this so that you can be at a quarterfinal playoff and know that home field advantage, which is meaningful at this level, especially if you have a fan base like Idaho who will show up, You get to host in the Dome.
0: Yeah, Brian, uh, man, trading in that D2 home game for two FCS playoff games in December was huge. But It sounds like you're saying the Vandal fans in the Dome need to score quickly or the Vandals need to score quickly for the Vandal fans in the Dome to be able to explode. You know what the Vandal fans listening to this show need to do? They need to look for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation that's right in their backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandalone and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like one to see the Perseid Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, maybe even pristine bitches, who knows. Run amazing white water, hike scenic trails, spot the wildlife, and like I'm always telling you guys, and fish the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. And don't forget about those beautiful natural hot springs. Just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 406-540-4450,
2: or again, check them out at HughesRiver.com. I want to hit to one key of the game that you and I forgot about. Um, and it's it feels indefensible based off last week that we forgot about it, but because Idaho's special teams has been steady the oh, entire year, we forgot CFL draft. You will that too, but because Idaho's uh, special teams has, has been steady the entire year, it's it's easy to take for granted. Um, I think Idaho's got an edge here, special teams wise too. The, the field goal kicking of of Albany is not as bad as like Montana State or SIU. They're twelve of sixteen on the year. But um, Idaho's got, to me, the best field goal kicker in the FCS. Um, Idaho has one of the better punters in the FCS as well. And we just saw this last week. Idaho's a threat to win special teams battles, essentially any facet you look at. You know, we have the, the, that huge block field goal by X, special teams. The Jermaine Jackson, one of the better punt returners in the nation, he's a threat as well. And the other just the big thing too that I think is it's just incredible thing about special teams wise is part of why we don't I think we don't talk about special teams as much cuz Idaho just doesn't really make a ton of mistakes on special teams to even like make them stand out. And I think Idaho special teams if, if we're looking at a close game you have to say one of the keys to the game is that Idaho you I'd say has the edge special team wise.
0: Yeah, I think that's um yeah, I, I, I don't know how to emphasize that point any harder, Brian. Um, I think Jermaine Jackson obviously is one of the best punt returners in the country. Uh, I think he's quite good at kickoff returns too, even though I think punt returning is his specialty. Chavez is incredible. Prescott kicks everything through the back of the end zone. I, I really, like, so when it comes to special teams, I have no fear about that. It, you know, it's not Montana State's play-by-play guy um, almost bringing the color Commentator to tears as he gets so frustrated that they had a PAT blocked in a year where special teams has just been their problem. I have more faith in Idaho's special teams than I do any other position on the or group on the field, Brian. I, uh, Idaho's offense, like you've said, has not scored a ton of points minus the Idaho State game in in quite a long time. Defensively, you know the like coverage has been great. Sometimes get gashed on the run a, a little bit, but special teams. I can't think of a whole lot of mistakes this year. Uh, obviously, Chavez has missed a couple, but no field goal kicker is ever going to be perfect. I mean, if they did, they, uh, I mean, you see what Justin Tucker gets paid in the NFL and he's not perfect. And he's the best kicker of all time. I, I just, it feels Brian, like if it comes down to special teams, which this game certainly might, I am very glad to see Chavez and Jackson back there, uh, man kicks and kicking kicks. Like it, it, just, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. As Patty Frakes is saying, Chavez has not missed in the Kibbe Dome of the season. Knock on wood if you got it. But Chavez has been perfect in the Kibbe Dome so far.
2: So I think we're ready to get to score predictions, Dallas, which uh, with no notice, Martin is brought to us by patreon.com backslash tubs the club guys. The look, we support the show. Every, every donation helps out. Like you guys get stuff out of this too. Everyone, we send out some merch periodically. But the bigger thing is the hashtag only tubs Discord. Which, look, I went and fact checked myself just because sometimes at home games it feels like the Discord is is not exploding the whole time. There was well over five hundred messages sent by the Discord during the in the football thread of the last home game. So no, dude, it is the best place to go. If Especially if you can't attend the game and you want to feel connected to other vandals because you're connected to other vandals, people talking about the game in a way that uh, is like it, it keeps you up for the game, makes you feel like you're sharing the experience with someone else. The Discord is there. There isn't a second place online to compare to. So Patreon.com backslash Tubs of the Club. Join the hashtag OnlyTubs Discord And like Patty Frick says in the comment section, I'll continue Patty's previews on OnlyTubs.
0: Guys, with that said, it is time for score predictions. They're coming, flowing into the comment section. I promise I will not forget them this time. Martin, you're up first. You've been on the shelf for 50 minutes. Any thoughts about Idaho, Albany, or as, as Kevin Marshall comments, they prefer you, Albany. Well, I also prefer them to get their ass kicked this weekend. If it's Massey, it's SUNY, Albany. Oh, There you go. Martin, mm. any thoughts on this game before you get to your score prediction?
1: No, I... For me, it was pretty much the... Uh, it wasn't like much of like as a ledge talk down as I think Dallas you had last week where I think you kind of said the previews like you were gonna pick SIU but changed your mind. There wasn't any sort of that thought for me this time around. Give us listening to you guys. I, I I'm gonna go Idaho thirty U Albany twenty.
0: Mr. Marceau, uh, excuse me, the Mr. Marceau that is on the show. Mr. Marceau in the comment section, I haven't seen a prediction yet,
2: but man. So Kevin Marshall in the comment section, which I know you're going to get his scores in a second. He says uh, you Albany 31, 21 Um, Kevin Marshall host of FCS nation radio, our favorite national show. So I, I gotta say, man, I, I feel, I feel a lot better about this matchup for Idaho than I did last week. Um, I, Mm -hmm. that said, I think this is still one of the tougher games on Idaho's season overall. Um, I'm going to use the Montana State as the reference for the matchup, and I think Idaho pulls this one out 27-21. Well,
0: it sounds like we're all in pretty close uh, guess here. Um, Guys, I'm going to guess 27-24. I think this is going to be a very close game. I think Idaho comes out on top of it. I feel better going into this game than I did last week. Uh, Let's hit the comment section real quick. Uh, I'm only going to... I'm just going to call out the scores, assuming you all understand that these people are picking the Vandals. If they have not picked the Vandals, I will mention that specifically, like Brian said, K.P. Marshall picking Albany. Uh, Jason Mayer, 31-20. Ryan Phillips, 28-21. Tom Kendall, 24-20. Braden Lang, 27-17. Brian Kennison just shouting in, I can't believe we blocked that kick. There, I said it. Moving on. Uh, Steve Kurtz, 45-14. Ooh, I love that, Steve. Uh, Steven Eschen, 31-24. James Jacobs, 24-21. Patty, oh, okay, there's Idaho there. 27-21. Christy Mayer, 35-24. Again, guys, we're uh, we're an Idaho podcast, so obviously this is going to be happening. Dane Moon, 35-28. Seth Mayer saying, uh, Idaho needs a fast start. Otherwise, the fight and scooby doos win. I do agree with that. If Idaho does not score quickly, don't feel great about what's going to happen the rest of the game. But I, I got to take the faith here. I think Idaho is going to get that score early score often and be able to win this and move on to the semi-finals guys any final thoughts on the vandals versus the great danes before we move on
2: to the other big sky game of the weekend yeah i think seth meyer hit it perfect which is idaho idaho's not going to be able to go to halftime with three points if idaho goes to halftime with three points this this game's over i think i i keep bringing up a couple schools I think this game needs to flow a little bit like the Montana State game of Idaho does need to be able. Idaho needs to punch Albany in the mouth. that it it needs to not be the the inverse where Idaho's recovering and Idaho's struggling. I mean, you talk about the Southern Illinois game. And now this is part of why I feel good about Idaho this week is I think in essentially every offensive phase, and I'm counting offensive coaching, we saw Idaho's worst shot of the year against Southern Illinois yep. and Idaho still was able to pull that one out mm-hmm. now we're, Idaho's not going to be able to to have that much difficulty on and, and in that in every single facet of the offensive game where we're going to score we score seven ish points if that's on the table Idaho's going to lose this by three scores
0: absolutely
2: I, completely agree but I don't think that some of the mistakes of last week, like that god-awful goal line stand uh, that Idaho nearly gave up, I don't think that's going to be on the table against a team like Albany. I also think the coaches have to go have to be looking at that fourth quarter when Idaho finally moved the ball and say, like, maybe we go back to feeding the All-American. Maybe we go back to the intermediate pass game, which even with Giovanni McCoy, Look, Idaho did that quite a bit last year. I mean, that hell, that's essentially minus the there were two long passes in, 20, in uh, 2022 at Montana that mattered. But the way Idaho got most of their yards against the Grizz was intermediate pass game. Idaho certainly has that. We've seen them use it before. We just haven't seen it really leaned on for a while. I just think this is the week that I think, I think that Eck and Co. are going to look at that fourth quarter. They're going to take into account the health of the team's offensive line they're going to take into account that the best rushing defense the Vandals have seen the whole year is probably going to make it tough for Anthony Woods to run between the tackles early. And I think they're just, the coaches just know. This is a game Idaho needs to get up early. They need to give themselves a cushion because Albany's going to score. And this is the this is the nature of the Vandals' young defense. They're going to give up some big plays. They're gonna have some missed tackles. That's that's what happens when you have so many good freshmen at so many important positions. They're just not all the way there yet, which is why I Idaho's got to get – again. Seth is right. Idaho has to get some points. They got to get some early.
0: Yeah, because otherwise, Brian. Then I mean, you invite comments from chuckleheads like us saying last time this offense scored thirty points or more. Was Cal Poly October seventh minus the game against Idaho State with the backup quarterback? The, the offense at full strength hasn't scored thirty since Cal Poly in two months ago. You invite comments like that if you don't go out and just punch Albany right in the face or snout. I guess I don't. I don't know. Whatever the face of the great we don't support is. animal cruelty here. Uh, I mean, if it's the Bengals, you do. Uh, all right, guys. Let's, you know what, we've got a couple of different comments in the in the comment section saying, just pick all four games, you coward, so we're going to rip the band-aid off, we're going to do all four games. Let's talk about the other side of this bracket, who Idaho would play if they win, number one South Dakota State versus number eight Villanova, Martin, without any sort of research whatsoever, who are you picking
1: My heart says Villanova, but my mind says SDSU.
2: I'm going to go SDSU.
0: Brian, with zero research,
2: SDSU Villanova. I was really hoping Martin was going to say uh, what his body was feeling. But um, I'm look, I, I'm going to go South Dakota State. I think, honestly, of the CAA teams left Villanova and Albany, I'm happy that Idaho has Albany as the matchup and not Villanova, even though Albany beat Villanova earlier in the year. I think South Dakota State that they they're a team that feels like they have virtually no weakness, as in they can win te- games defensively, and they also look like Mark Grenowski, quarterback. He's a he's Walter he's Walter Payton Award finalist. They obviously can beat teams offensively, so I I think South Dakota State wins. Yeah, guys, SDSU is going to win this game. I
0: I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to see Nova win it. We've got a couple people in the comment section picking Nova. I don't know if that's inside information or if that's just hopes and dreams. I would love for Nova to win this game and give Idaho a chance to host the semifinal game. But Brian, it's it's the Jacks. It's, again, they're a 20-point favorite. They're a 20-point favorite and if you go to the Sagarin rating, they're the number 20 team in college football. But like and and that's not that's not wrong. The SDSU could beat a very good portion of the G5 and a a very good portion of the P4-ish really p3 and then the acc that moving on south dakota versus north dakota state martin
2: i ndsu yeah i think i think north dakota state avenges the loss from earlier in the year Um, i think you saw north dakota state looking They look pretty damn tough against Montana state. Should they still should the bison still should have lost that game. If Montana state could kick whatsoever, uh, the bison would be home right now. But that said Montana state, very talented team, North Dakota state. They feel like they're hitting, uh, you know, second half season. They've looked a lot, they've looked better. So I, I also I think I just don't think South Dakota State is ex- still, in spite of having a sorry South Dakota, in spite of having a win earlier in the year against North Dakota State. I, you know, from what I watched against Sacramento State, and um, honestly, South Dakota had a little bit of trouble completely putting that game away. I I saw that game thinking, hey, if I'm a if if I was on the opposite side, if I was on the opposite side of the bracket, I would much rather be matched up against South Dakota than North Dakota State.
0: Yeah. Fully agree with that. Um, I'm picking North Dakota State. It's a clean sweep for us again. Uh Absolutely think that uh, South Dakota is just not going to pull it off. I know it's a home game. Uh, I know they have the win earlier in the year, but until you've done it in the postseason, I'm not going to pick anybody to beat North Dakota State until again, unless they've done it before. It It's just there's too many years of of watching that team just pulverize teams in the playoffs. I know it's not quite the same, but just not not a pick I'm willing to make. So that brings us, guys, to the one everybody wants us to talk about. Furman
1: versus the Sheep Lovers. Martin. The Paladins will use their swords and completely stab the Grizz.
2: So we talked about Idaho post-October 7th scoring. Montana, since the Grizz beat Idaho 23-21... Here's the Grizz's scores 40 to 0, 34 to 7, 34 to 10, 37 to 7. That one's over Montana State. And 49 to 19. That's their second round playoff game against Delaware. That's in the snow. The Grizz put up nearly 50 points. Um, I think Montana is, they're as hot as anyone in college football. I, this game's at Washington Grizzly. It's going to, if it's not sold out, it's going to be a virtual sellout. That place was rocking against Mm -hmm. Delaware. And that was it with just snow pissing down that entire game. So, uh, no, I I don't look Furman from South Carolina. Don't think they're going to handle the cold that well. And I think this Montana team are, they are so good at rolling with momentum and just not, not giving in once Mm -hmm. they get that figurative inch against teams Bobby Hauk, the, he might be the best coach in the nation at getting his team to want to be in a street fight and to never want the street fight to end. So I'm picking the Grizz.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I know Furman's got the, the really bad loss to Wofford or as we used to call them at SWX, Wolford, because they were the Terriers and their little Terry mascot's adorable. And it was just funny to say Wolford. Uh, anyways, that's not important. Uh, I don't, yeah, whatever. Uh, Other than losing to SEC South Carolina, they have beat everybody on their schedule, not necessarily in huge blowouts uh, throughout the year in the SOCON, but uh, again, they beat a handful of ranked teams. I think they are a very good team. Uh, As Kevin Marshall's saying, uh, their defense is quite good. Offense eats the clock and keeps it close, but he's picking the Grizz by a score. I think it's going to be the same thing. I think Furman is going to give Montana some fits. It's definitely not going to be a 30-point blowout like it was last weekend. But I I just, I, I don't see it, guys. I see Montana, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and your mighty Vandals as your final four. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, other than one last push, patreon.com of the club. It's less than a cup co- of coffee a month to just come hang out, talk Vandal sports. Again, you get Patty's preview, which is now apparently a throw-in, uh, which, again, one of the best things I've read all year. Um, love that, Patty. Thank you for doing that. Uh, Again, game threads when we transition fully into basketball season. Again, we have men's threads, women's threads, got a whole bunch of places to just talk about the university, talk about anything you really want to. Great place to hang out with Vandals. And the last thing I've got for you is go Vandals.
2: Go Vandals. Go Vandals.